Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And I am joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney on another warm weekend. Yes. Nice to see you again, Teresa. And good to see you. Uh, Did you get a sense of any of that smoke from uh, Canadian fires out there? I didn't really. but um, But I know know people up north and it's kind of hard for them. It is, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. We have already (laughs) getting a lot of uh, phone calls. All set up to ask you questions. I'm Excellent. going to hit the uh, text line. Excellent. For folks that want to use that, it might be easier. 81807 for your lawn and garden questions. And by the way, this show is brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture, the good folks down near Jordan, Minnesota. We'll talk and, about and that. And that By the Yard stands up pretty good to raccoons, too. Oh, yeah. 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 Any, any kind of critter. Per- personal experience there. Yep. We were moving ours around uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but the thing is, you don't have to store it. We'll talk about yeah. that later. All right. Um, and uh, we'll talk about the Arboretum, too. We always like to you okay. know, invite people out to, to yes, the Arboretum. Yes, go out to the Arboretum. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Place. All right. Let's uh, put you to work right away, Teresa. Okay. Folks have been waiting. Jim and Shoreview is first up. Jim, you're on CCO with Teresa. Hi, Jim. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've got a, a hydrangea bush. Well, it's more like a tree, I guess. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, it's flowering now. A lot of the flowers are hanging like on the ground. When is a good time to trim them lower branches? Um, you can prune your hydrangea at any time. Uh, you may be cutting off next year's flowers, but you probably don't care about that if the branches are that low. Uh, sometimes just taking off a little bit of some of those blooms will let the branches pop up a little bit. They don't have so much weight on them. Okay, there you go, Jim. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, Jim leaves a line there for you at 651-989-9226. Pat, is in Minneapolis with a question for you, Teresa. Hi, Pat. Hi, Pat. Hi, how are you doing? Excellent. And you? I love the colors of the calabrochi, I think I'm pronouncing that Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. And I like that they deadhead. Mm -hmm. But I'm finding that they seem to be susceptible to aphids. Is that... Oh, um, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, They look like a miniature petunia, if anybody's asking, but they come in all different colors, and they self-deadhead, which is really nice. Um, Sometimes when your plants are uh, stressed, they may be more attractive to to aphids. So what you want to make sure is make sure you're not over and underwatering them, make sure you're not under and over-fertilizing them, and give them full sunlight. They like that. Um, And with the aphids, a spray of water will knock them off. If you want to go to insecticidal soap, that will work too. All right. There you go, Pat. Thanks for the call. Uh, Who's next? Tom is uh, calling from Buffalo with a question. Tom, good morning. You're on CCO. Hi, Tom. Good morning. I have a a kind of a windbreak of arborvitaes. They're about 10 or 12 feet tall. Mm -hmm. And I got that bad burn here this last winter. Sure, Mm mm-hmm. I just want to know what the best time for me to go is and cut that brown stuff out of there. Brown stuff you can cut out at any time. So sooner rather than later, so you don't have to look at it anymore. Um, and only cut back to where it's to where it's green. That would be good. Um, and, and if you need to do any major pruning on them, get that pruning done right away. Um, otherwise, it's going to be too late to prune your arborbites. But yeah, take out dead is dead. Take that out anytime. Okay, thanks for good the luck. help. Mm-hmm. All right, Tom, thanks for the call. Tom leaves that line open. 
651-989-9226. And uh, let's see, text number is 81807. We're going to go back to the text screen in a moment, Teresa. But uh, Fred, I believe, is calling from Hastings with a question. Hi, Fred. Hi, Fred. Hi, morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I have a couple of Colorado blue spruce. I think they're Colorados that mm-hmm. I planted about 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're probably about 50 feet tall now, and the bottom branches are, are there's some dead ones in there, mm-hmm. plus it's getting harder to trim under that thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm considering, I've seen my neighbors, uh, and I think it, I'd like to cut the branches away to about up to six feet and then mulch under there because there's roots and stuff sticking mm-hmm. out in the uh, is that okay to do that, I guess, I'm asking? Um, you can. Uh, your your trees could possibly be close to the end of their life. Just prepare yourself for that. The Colorado blues don't have a good lifespan here in Minnesota. We're just too hot and humid for them in the summertime. Uh, they do tend to get a lot of diseases. Uh, cut out the dead stuff and trim up as little as you possibly can so you can get under there. And then um, give them a good drink of water and then mulch. Uh, that would be good because, as you said, they do have a lot of fibrous root systems that are really close to the surface, and that's why those branches are so low to shade those roots. But if you need to trim them up uh, for safety reasons, sight lines, mowing, go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. And now would be a good time. Get it done. Mm -hmm. There you go, Fred. Thank you. Fred leaves the line open at 651-989-9226. Texter says this, have powdery mildew on my monarda. What to do? What do I do? Well, there's nothing you can do now that will get rid of it. You can use a fungicide. That will knock it back, but you'll always be paying cut ketchup. Uh, it's because of the humid air that we have here in Minnesota in the summertime. Menarders are susceptible to it. Some are resistant. Uh, you can also, um, next year, start spraying before you see powdery mildew. You can also thin your menarda. You can cut it so it looks almost like a stair step, if that would make sense. You have a clump of it. The outside is a little shorter, and then it gets a little taller toward the center. That will give you um, multiple bloom times also that will allow air circulation. That's what you're looking for uh, to get the powdery mildew to minimize that. Um, You want those uh, leaves when they get wet to dry as quickly as possible. So you want a really good air circulation. And uh, by by opening it up a little, that'll help. Make sure they're getting full sun. And if you do have a sprinkler system, make sure the sprinkler system's going off first thing in the morning and then so they have all day to dry. And that should help you. Okay. Carl in Richfield is calling in uh, with a question. Carl, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Carl. Hi. I have two uh, very large ewes that are 35 years old. I usually prune them or cut them back mm-hmm. um, in the you know spring like you're supposed mm-hmm. to, but I, I didn't do it this year. They're huge. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I could do it now. You can still do it. Do it um, as soon as possible. Okay. You want to, you know, the 1st of August would have been better to get it done, but I w- I'll give you to the 15th. Uh, so, so get it done this weekend. Uh, get all your pruning done this weekend. Everybody, all your pruning has to be done this weekend. Um, if for any of your perennials, and that, that means all your roses and anything that you're going to prune after this weekend, I would say don't be pruning anything. And I think that you might be saying something similar to this texture. When is the best time to trim oak trees? Oh, no, oak trees, we don't touch the oak trees in the summertime. So oaks, elms, ashes, those all you only prune in the wintertime when there's absolutely no chance of insects around. Uh, if you have to prune anything now on the, any of those oaks, elms, or ashes, you make the cut with a sterilized pruner, and within just a second or two, well, a minute, you have to seal that cut, and that's you have to do on every single cut that you do. 
Uh, so it would be sterilize your pruner, make the cut, seal the cut, sterilize the pruner, make the cut, seal the cut. And mm. that's what you have to do. You you don't want any insects or diseases to get in there. Now is not the time to be pruning uh, fruit trees or those um, elms, ashes, and oaks. Very do good. not do that. All right. Tell you what, uh, let's go to Gary and Andover before we take a break. Gary, you're on CCO. Hi, Gary. Good, good morning. I have a question. I have several uh, peonies, mm-hmm. and they they flower brilliantly every year. Mm-hmm. I've never had a problem. I wait till the first frost that comes in um, and before I cut them back. Perfect. But recently I've had several people tell me that um, if I get a fungus on the peonies in the fall, which I, which I do every year, that I need to cut them immediately when I see the fungus uh, because otherwise it'll kill the plant. No, no. No. Is there anything to that? I, I, I'm not sure what fungus they're talking about. They might be talking about a powdery mildew in the fall, and that's just something that comes on leaves. It's not a big deal. Um, no, your 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 plants have withstood this for many years. It's not a problem. Um, you do want to clean up well in the fall, so once everything has been killed by the frost, clean that up nice and well in the fall. Clean it down to bare ground. Uh, that will that will get rid of a lot of those fungus spores. Um, it may get reinfected next year, but the fungus isn't going to hurt your plant. Uh, not quite sure what they're talking about, but your plant should be okay. Sounds like your peonies are really happy. All right, very good. Teresa, we need to take a quick okay. break. We have more show to come. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney in studio on this Saturday morning, welcoming your phone calls and text messages. Of course, we'll get back to both. In the meantime, we're heading for a near 90 today, a little patchy smoke out there. Otherwise, sunshine highs near 90 today and probably tomorrow too. Right now on CCO 71. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Welcoming your uh, lawn and garden questions by phone and by text. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney is in studio doing all the uh, heavy lifting here, all the work <laughs> she's doing for you. Uh, you know, we have we're a full complement of phones and texts. Excellent. Let's get to it. Let's see who's next. Mary is calling, I believe, from Norwood, Young America. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. We have a one-year-old hydrangea tree, mm-hmm. and the blossoms turned white, but then they never turned pink. They just kind of turned brown, mm-hmm. and the leaves are just kind of hanging down on the tree. Mm-hmm. It was great last year, but we're kind of wondering if it had anything to do with the extensive rain we've had this year or what might be causing that. That could do it. Um, so you may want to check the soil uh, just out from the drip line a little out and see what that soil is, if, if you have a heavier clay soil or if it's really loaded. Sometimes the plants just get too much water and you get a little bit of root rot. There's not much you can really do about that, unless if you have a mulch, you can pull it back so it dries a little bit. But, um, yeah, just 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 give it the, whatever TLC you can. And it just sounds like it's a weather-related thing, whether it's too hot, too dry, too wet. We've had everything here this year in Minnesota in various locations, and it's tough on the plants. All right, I, I want to get back to the phones, uh, but uh, there's a couple of uh, connected text messages about <laughs> Japanese beetles. First first question is, is now the time to treat the yard? And, and the second texter says, what are your thoughts on putting out bags that attract the dark colored beetles? Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I would suggest everybody go to extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab and look under the Japanese beetles. Um, if you can't remember that, just hit Japanese beetles, UMN with your friend Google and Google will bring you right to the wonderful page of Japanese beetle information. Um, next, the university suggests not using the traps 
The traps will attract a lot of beetles from a far distance, so they normally wouldn't come into your area. Um, the beetles that often get trapped and killed in the bags are the beetles that don't lay as many eggs. The beetles that come into your area and don't wind up in the bags are the ones that lay more eggs. So you're bringing in more beetles to your area. You're bringing in beetles that may not go into your area. And and it's a wonderful Minnesota kind of thing that you can say, oh, look, I accomplished. I killed five pounds of beetles. Well, maybe those four and a half pounds of beetles would have never showed up in your area anyway. So I understand that concept, but but beetles aren't the bags aren't request aren't um, suggested by the university. Um, what else? What was the other question? Oh, what to do with them? Oh, treating them. Treating, um, treating I would, the yard. I would follow um, if your if your lawn looks okay and you're not having a grub issue with the beetle grub issue killing off the grass. Don't treat your yard. Um, that it's the treatment's hard on a lot of insects in your yard that you need out there. What you can do is mow your grass a little bit higher. That will let the roots sink down a little bit lower, so any grub damage can be minimized because the grubs are only in a certain level of of the soil while they're feeding. Um, so mow your grass high. Uh, get the beetles, knock their populations down early because as they eat the the leaves, that that smell attracts other beetles. So you want to minimize that emphasis. Um, don't treat your lawn unless you're having a grub problem where you can pull back the grass like a carpet. Don't use the bags. Um, invite a lot of birds into your yard. Get some bird habitat, some bird baths. Um, the birds are starting to eat them, eat the beetles, and. Um, just have fun with them and know that they're here. We'll survive it. It's going to be heck until the population goes down a little bit, but it is what it is. Yep. All right. Let's go back to the phone, Teresa. David uh, is calling in from a car phone, I believe. Go ahead, David. Hey, David. Thanks for waiting. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the call. I've got an old farmhouse, and I've got a couple of apple trees in it that are 20 feet high. They end up getting worms. Mm-hmm. The problem mm-hmm. is I'm not here in the spring to spray them. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do in the fall to spray them? No. Um, what you can do in the fall is clean up really well, and that will knock back some of some of the um, reinfestation. But what happens is the, the female um, uh, apple maggot fly comes in in about the second to third to fourth week of June and lays her eggs, and that's what you're seeing in the apples. If you can get out there before she comes in and bag the apples you want, just with a plastic bag where you cut off the two lower corners and then put each little bag over the apple you want to save, Ziploc it and staple it closed, that will save those apples from the um, from the apple megafly. And then um, clean up in the fall is really good to help knock down that population a little bit. Again, invite birds in, have a really good ecosystem, Sometimes those flies can be eaten by other insects and by birds. Um, that's not going to knock down that much of a population, but the more help you can get doing that, the better. But just clean up in the falls, all you can really do, but the, she comes from everywhere, so um, you'll only be knocking down the population a little bit. Okay. Before we break, uh, Cody is calling from uh, Winstead, Minnesota, with a question. Cody, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Cody. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm in my local FFA chapter, and I'm in the nursery and landscape contest. Cool. And one of the uh, parts of the contest is identification. Mm-hmm. And me and my advisor have a little tough time at identifying little leaf lindens and American basswoods apart. Mm. So I was wondering what the biggest like characteristic like d- distinguishes between the two. There we go. Teresa crashes and burns because she can't tell you. Oh, crash and That's burn. That's going to be one of the toughest questions. Oh, my gosh. Crash and burn on, on radio. Oh, gee. Um, you know, um, I, I don't know the difference. I know that there's a, a good species book out there, a good tree identification book. 
Um, Durr has a really good book that probably could show you the difference if you can get a hold of Durr's Trees and um, Shrub book. Absolutely excellent. I'm secretly in love with Durr. Um, we won't have to tell him that. But um, also um, go to the um, university website, and they do have an identification, and you can go um, plant by plant and identify them that way. Um, Cody, I can't help you with that one. I'm real. All I can do is give you suggestions where yeah. to look. Tough Sorry. question. Yeah. That's a really good question. And since they're related, it, it can be harder to see. Um, I, I don't even want to suggest what could be the differences. All right. Tell you what. We need to take a break. A reminder, we have another half hour of the show to go. It's called Smart Garden here on 830-WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture. Best patio furniture your money can buy. We'll talk about that as we always like to do, and we thank them for the sponsorship of this show, meaning Lawn and Garden Talk, Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener here. And Star Talk. And Star Talk. You were talking about the... uh, Watch the meteor shower tonight. That's the Perseids, right? The Perseids, yes. Let's hope it's clear enough. It's supposed to be clear, except for the smokes. Yeah. Yeah, so get out there, feed the mosquitoes, watch the the meteors. All right. (laughs) Kevin in Wasika has been waiting to ask you a question. Kevin, what is your question, please? Hi, Kevin. Thanks for waiting. Very good morning to you. And to you. I'm sitting on my deck right now enjoying a beautiful morning. Mm-hmm. I called about three weeks ago and I asked about a tree that uh, had full foliage. And then all of a sudden it started to change colors and mm-hmm. just basically turned brown. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here and looking at another tree right now. And what I see is half the tree is still has green foliage. Mm-hmm. And the other half is showing... Uh, Fall symptoms, fall okay. colors, you know, vibrant to yep. orange, red. What, what trees, what are they, maple trees? Maples. Okay. Um, what I want you to do, first of all, is look at the trunk of the tree and how it enters into the ground. Can you see the root flare? Or does it look like a telephone pole going into the ground? Maples are extremely susceptible to girdling roots, where the roots turn around and start to strangle the tree. Um, and if your tree looks like a, a telephone pole going straight into the ground, you could have girdling roots. And if you do, you want to pull the dirt away till you can find those offending roots and you cut them. And that will often help save your tree. If your tree, if you can see the root flare really easy, it looks like how a little kid might draw a tree with, you know, it goes down and then it flares out like a lady's skirt. Um, and you can see all those roots on the ground. That's not an issue. Um, maples are also susceptible to versilium wilt. That might be something in your soil. But what your trees are showing is a stress. Too much water, too little water. Uh, verticillium wilt, some kind of disease um, in your trees are being stressed or they're having girdling roots. So so get the girdling root issue taken care of if that's it. And if that's not it, then um, all you can really do is, is take care of your trees as best as you can and hope they can be strong enough to withstand what they're doing. Um, they also have something called sudden maple disease or maple sudden death or something. And trees just die for no reason. And Personally, I kind of think that's like a cop-out, but, but trees, they, they label them sudden death, and the trees just die, and we don't know why, but um, that does happen. So check out some of those things, and again, I would suggest going to the university's website, extension.umn.edu, and you can say what's wrong with my plant, and it will talk you through that and give you some other ideas that I might have missed. That's a great website. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Great resource. We have also have great listeners, very smart listeners. Thomas in Minneapolis may have an American basswood answer. Let's get Thomas on here. Thomas, what do you think is the uh, uh, the comparison between uh, those two? Talk to me, Thomas. 
Lilith linden is a rusty brown color, the bark. Okay. And basswood is more of a gray brown. Okay. And just a quick note, 1983 took third place nationals FFA horticulture contest. You did? Well, congratulations. Yeah. How about that? Wow. Good Speaks deal. from experience. Exactly. Thank right. you. And thank you all you FFA and FHA folks. Thank yeah. you. So a color difference. The color difference all in right. the bark. Yep. We have the smartest listeners in we the whole do. world. We do. They're ama- You guys are amazing. Thank you for being amazing. Here's one that may be um maybe uh what autocorrect uh we have, I'll read it to you. You okay. tell me what you mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. We have some really good wild raspberries, but they're taking over a rose garden. What's the safest time to transfer my photos to a new location? <laughs> Thinking you mean even the either the roses or yeah. the raspberries, probably the roses. Um, you can transfer them anytime. Try to get them transferred. If you want to wait till maybe closer to the end of August when maybe it's cooler, haha, um, that would be good. Or the first week in September, you want to get them in. Say by the third week of September, you want to do all your moving. So that way that your deciduous plants and trees have enough. They have like six weeks in the ground so they can get rooted out. Anything you do move this time of year or into the fall, um, just baby it a little. Make sure it's very well watered. Don't fertilize it. Just take care of it. And then this winter, treat it as a newly planted plant, which it is. So make sure you mulch really well as the soil starts to freeze so it doesn't frost heave out of the ground. And that includes all your perennials, trees, and shrubs that you move or plant this time of year into the fall. All right. Back to the phones, Teresa. Verna is calling from South St. Paul, I believe, with a question. Good morning, Verna. Hi, Verna. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I have two endless summer hydrangea bushes. Mm -hmm. They're about two, no, four years old. And one has six gorgeous blossoms on them and more coming. Mm -hmm. And the other one has one and no sign of any more flowers. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they're side by side. Yep. The plants are very, they can differ wildly um, throughout the whole, through the different plants. It's just, they're just not very... um, even in their how they present. Endless summers need a little more sunshine than the regular hydrangeas. They need a lot more fertilizer than the regular hydrangeas, and you need to keep that water. They bloom on old and new wood. They come out of dormancy very late in the spring, so um, you, you let them go into the fall with as much leaves and foliage as possible, and then in the spring you cut back what's ever dead once they start coming out of dormancy. It could just be that that's how that plant's going to present forever, um, but try to try fertilizing, and again, I would give it fertilizer this weekend and then no more for the rest of the season. You don't really want to be fertilizing your plants at this time, but they are heavy feeders and good luck. All right. Barbara's calling in from Minneapolis with a question for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Hi Teresa. Thanks for taking my you call. Bet. I have a strange thing. I bought a bloomerang lilac tree this yes. spring, mm-hmm. and I had the nursery planted, so that would be good. Mm-hmm. It had already bloomed once. It's Mm -hmm. supposed to bloom three different times. Mm -hmm. It formed lots of buds this summer, and they all dried up. Mm -hmm. Just the buds, the tree. And I wondered if it was girdling and the water didn't get all the way to the ends of the Um, branches. It could be. Did um, did was it a bald and burlapped or was it a potted? Potted. Okay. All right. Um, so, so what you want to do is, you know, the first first year anything's planted, I don't really expect it to perform as it's supposed to because it's just getting adjusted. Um, it could be that it was a really hot spell and it just aborted the blossoms because um, it was rooting, and that's the most important thing it's doing this year. So this year I'd give it a buy. I, I'd let it go and say you don't have to do any more blossoms. Just just keep it 
you know, compost, keep it well watered, not too much water. Make sure it gets um, the water going into the fall before the ground freezes. And next year then it should be a little more natural. And then the third year it should be right into into the groove where it's going to bloom the two or three times that it's supposed to it's supposed to. And with the with all that blooming, make sure it's getting full sun and make sure that maybe you give it some compost or you give it a granular fertilizer um, in the beginning of the season. We have more time for your calls and text messages for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, 651-989-9226. Uh, text, if that's easier, 81807. Speaking of which, Winterberry. Mm-hmm. Is one male shrub enough for five female shrubs yes. for optimal berry yes. production? Mm-hmm. As long as they're all close enough, that will be perfect. Okay. And and you'll see the birds will be so happy. When to trim out old growth blueberry canes? That is done. I would probably do that, um, you know, I, I would probably do that in the spring because then you can really see um, it's bare of the leaves and you can really see the old and the new. That's when I would do it. Okay. Uh, let's see. I have, Texter says, a beautiful fuchsia geranium, but suddenly its leaf tips began turning brown and subsequently die. Thought it was overwatering and cut back, but problem is persisting. What could that be, do you think? It, it, I would guess it's something with the roots, um, overwater, underwater, too much fertilizer, something like that. Um, it, it, there could be a disease on there. It could be getting a fungus, but if it's just the leaf tips turning brown, um, also, you know, what kind of water are you giving it? Are you giving it rainwater or are you giving it um, city water or yours, water softeners water, which may have salts and chlorine in it? So that may be something to consider too. Um, I would definitely head to the university website, extension.umn.edu, and see if there's any other suggestions. But um, I would try to f- try to only give it rainwater or um, distilled or, or spring water that isn't treated if possible. Some plants are really susceptible to the chlorine. And, and definitely if you have water softener, you don't want to be using that water on your plants. No, we were talking, we mentioned briefly at the top of the show about uh, the University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum. It's just a great resource. Talk about resources. It's, it's amazing. Did you, I read recently so they're going to start doing um, music type yes, shows yes, too? Yes, they, they will be having music out okay. there. I think maybe in the Chinese garden. I'm not I'm 100% not sure. sure. But they have they have the new Chinese garden out there. There's a maze. There's a Japanese garden, uh, herb gardens, rose gardens. If you're looking at a certain tree or shrub and you want to know what does that really look like in full life, you can go out there and probably find that tree or shrub out there or that plant out there or get ideas for putting plants together in the shade and the sun or or just just learn stuff if you're looking for permeable uh, pavers and uh, water management systems. They have that out there. If you want to understand ornamental grasses, you can do that. There is just an amazing. It is amazing out there. And and if you're thinking, hmm, I want to try the first kiss. Well, the apple. Apple House, I believe, will have some first kiss apples out there. Um, don't quote me on that, but that's um, that again was developed by the university, and uh, one of its parents is Honeycrisp, and that only is going to be available, you know, to the general public. You can't buy those plants. So, so there's just, and you know, you have grapes out there, and they're doing all kinds of research. So I just can't say enough. There's, it's amazing, and we always have master gardeners out there, so you can that's just, great. you can just go to those master gardeners and just pick their brains. You know, what else is good to bring the kids and grandkids. Out oh, there. bring the kids. They have, yeah. um, you know, I don't know what the art thing is this year, but they usually have fantastic art installations out yep. there. And when they had the Legos, that was amazing. And I just love seeing the kids out 
there because they're seeing the insects and the birds and the butterflies and the animals and the plants and and they're really getting into the nature and kids are they're so short on vitamin and vitamin natures so that you got to get them yeah. that when you can so get out there get out uh, there enjoy the- and oh they have a great um home demonstration garden so if you want to see plants in a garden how beautiful your veggies can look go out there and they'll put you to shame and where is it the intersect closest is uh highway 41, 41 and, and 5, five. Mm-hmm. that's the closest yep. Yep. Yeah. all right mm-hmm. Teresa, we have to take a break okay we have more show to come here Master Gardener Teresa Rooney with us here on CCO. 71 degrees, heading for 90. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Teresa, we have got callers. We have texters. Let's see how many we can help. Those maybe a lightning gardeners. round, maybe? Let's do a lightning round. All right, let's see. Who has been waiting? Gloria is calling from uh, Eden Prairie, I think. Hi, Gloria. Hi, Gloria. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. What yeah. a wonderful program you have. Thank you. Um, Quick call, but I hate to readdress this darn old Japanese beetle. Um, anyway, I have a cotoneaster uh, shrub next to my house, and it's and I take really good care of it. I'm in a townhouse, and they must have sprayed my neighbor uh, across the grass from me because hers are fine. Mine are really eaten up. Now, I want to. Uh, I thought I was going to put some fertilizer on them today and water them again. Um, but I heard you mention maybe we shouldn't be fertilizing now. This, this would be the very last time I would fertilize. Is it a liquid or a granular? It's a liquid. Like, go ahead and do the liquid the last time. A granular is going to work, work another 30 days. And by that time, the shrubs should really be not finding as much nutrition in the soil and should be getting ready to shut down. So we don't want to confuse them. Uh, liquid will be fine. Go ahead and, and feed it um, and, 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 you know, and give it the fertilizer. And do keep it watered. Next year, just get out there a little earlier than the, when you think the beetles are coming and just really scout. And as soon as you see those beetles first thing in the morning, uh, dump them in some soapy water and let them drown and watch them and cheer. <laughs> okay. right. We gardeners can be you, very you bloodthirsty. Are tough. <laughs> We're tough. All right. Thanks, Gloria. <laughs> Judy is calling from White Bear Lake. Judy, you're on CCO. Hi, Judy. Oh, hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for for being on the air. Oh, thank you. I love doing it. it. I just have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. I have, um, excuse me, uh, two um, uh, bushes that are very low to the ground. Uh, beautiful, but I'm sure they need to be trimmed. One is Wide um, Julia, and the other is a Dogwood. <laughs> can I do that now, Teresa, you or can. do I have to wait? You can. Um, go ahead and trim them as you need to. Get them done right away. Uh, you don't want to wait too many more weeks. You want those done by the middle of the month. August 1st would have been better. And, you know, you don't have to trim your bushes unless you want to. Um, if they're getting too big or looking goofy or getting in the way, then you can trim them. But if you like the look and you do, and they don't and they're not bothering you, there is no reason to trim. Um, anything dead can be cut off at any time. But um, always before you're pruning, um, go out there and say, why am I doing this? Is it to get rid of a disease? Is it to correct correct an architectural question? Is it to correct a size question? Um, or is it just to prune off dead stuff um, or to shape the bush? And, and if you can't say it's one of those things, then there's really no reason to prune. And um, then you don't have to. Okay. Sounds reasonable. Uh, Joe is calling from uh, Plymouth with a question that we'll grab some text. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. 
Hi, I love your show. I learn something every week. Thank you. Um, About 35 years ago, my husband's aunt and uncle brought us a trunk full of perennials. We had built a new house, and we were so excited. And everything has done well, including my black-eyed Susans, and I Mm -hmm. think they're the old-fashioned kind. Mm -hmm. Uh, they propagate by seed Mm -hmm. because I would have to dig them up out of the yard and move them back, you know. This year, I had them all over the place. This year, like two came up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I mean, uh, now I want to harvest the seeds out of those and save them because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just weird. I mean, they were in gardens. Yeah, and yeah. And- what we had was um, when we had that early spring or the or the late spring, and the ground was still pretty frozen, um, and then we got the, that hot. It really messed with a lot of plants, and and it did you know browned up our, a lot of the evergreens, and it did mm-hmm. impact a lot of uh, uh, perennials. I've heard of a lot of people losing established perennials that have been there years and years and years. It's just, you know, it's going to happen. We have these weird weird springs, weird winters. Um, We just have to understand sometimes that happens to our plants. And, and yes, do harvest the seeds and and save them. Um, Go ahead and plant them on again, whether you do winter sowing or however you've been doing it in the past. Do do that. Do save that because those plants were a little hardier. And so then you can um, propagate the ones that are a little hardier. Good luck. Do you want to forget our texters either, Teresa? Okay. Uh, here's one. Uh, are hummingbird moths bad for my garden? No. No, it's they're wonderful. Moth. It's a sphinx moth. Now, sometimes the big caterpillars will eat a lot, but um, this, the moths are beautiful. No, they're beautiful. They're, they kind they're, of feed like a hummingbird. They feed like a hummingbird. Yeah. They're a night pollinator. So you kind of need that for some of those plants that only pollen that only have pollen and nectar at night. All right. Uh, Texas has had to cut a large tree down last year. How soon can we plant a small growing tree? We are going to make the area a mounded garden. Um, it really depends um, if you're why you cut down the tree. If there was a disease, you want to consider why you did that. Um, otherwise, if you're making a mounded garden and you did not uh, have the stump ground and leave a lot of the sawdust in the soil, then you can go ahead and plant this year if you want to. Otherwise, just understand if there's a lot of sawdust in the soil, um, you're going to have a nitrogen issue. It's it's a, absorbing a lot of the nitrogen, and then when it finally releases it, you're going to have a nitrogen burn. So there could be a nitrogen issue there or a disease problem if why you cut down the other tree. One more call, I believe, then we'll okay. try to grab a text. Marion is calling from Ramsey. Marion, what is your question? Hi, Marion. Hi. Um, thank you for for all the information. Mm-hmm. I have emptied um, a garden. Okay. And I want to put grass in. Do I put the grass seed in and then wet it down, or do I wet it and then put the seed down? I would, I would you know, probably d- get it damp. And then put your seed down. Make sure you have really good seed-to-soil contact. So, you know, hit it with the back of the rake or walk over it or something. Um, And then keep it moist. And you're going to have to water two or three times a day. You just want to water a little bit. So you just keep that upper bit of the soil moist and break that seed coat with that moisture. And then just um, probably no fertilizer this year unless that grass gets big enough. So you have to mow it two or three times before, say, September 15. And if that's not the case, then no fall fertilizer. Got about a minute to go. Uh, Texas says the yard has awful quack or crabgrass. Will it die come fall? It depends. Crabgrass will die. It's an annual. Quackgrass will laugh at the snow and come back stronger next year. <laughs> That's tough you, stuff. You need to know which one it is. So um, go to the website and you'll be able to find out. Can I throw wildflower seed down now? Is there a fall, quote, fall mix that will grow in the next few months? 
Uh, there's probably something that will grow. You could throw it down, but most of your plants are going to be perennials or annuals. If they're perennials, they might need to go through winter stratification so they won't bloom. They won't germinate till the spring. Um, your annuals may come up and not have time to bloom this year, and then they're dead. So I would wait until do a dormant seeding or, or, um, then, or do a winter sowing. Uh, that's what I would do. Real fast, give us that the University of Minnesota website. Extension.umn.edu. Very good. Go Gardeners. Thanks, Danny. See you soon. See you soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.